0: Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the word of God to dwell in you richly. Amen. I don't know about you, but I am extremely grateful that I have a father that can be depended on. I'm extremely encouraged by the fact that I have a father that I know no matter what I'm going through will never leave my side. Even the best of earthly fathers can't compare to him. And so I I pray that in, in, in every moment of your life, but especially in holiday seasons like this, that you feel the presence of your heavenly father with you because he cares for you. Amen. 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 If you got your Bible with you while you're already standing, why don't you meet me in Isaiah chapter nine? I'm excited this morning as we start our Advent series, uh, Make Way for the King. Uh, I'm excited about that. and So I hope you are, too. The next four weeks, we'll be hitting uh, uh, four particular topics that, that cover sort of this the theme of Advent uh, hope, preparation, Joy and love. And so this morning we get to talk about our hope, the hope that we have in his coming. Amen. 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 Isaiah chapter nine, verse six and seven. I'm going to read it for you if you don't mind while you follow along. Isaiah chapter nine, beginning at verse six, here's the word of the Lord. It says this says for a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And the dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. And he will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with what? With justice and righteousness. From now on and forever, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. I just want to tag our text for this morning. The darkness won't last always. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you are indeed our father. That Jesus told the disciples when, he, when we addressed you to say, Abba, Father. What intimacy exists there. What closeness of relationship that we get to be called sons and daughters of the most high God. That we've been adopted as your people. Sons and daughters with the right to all the inheritances that have been achieved by Jesus' work on the cross. We thank you, O God, today. Speak to our hearts from your word. Help us to see clearly what you have for us this morning. In Christ Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. The darkness won't last always. Let let me ask a question. How how many of y'all are morning people? My goodness. I wish everybody at home could see just how few hands actually went in the air. For, for those of us who are morning people, I'm a, I'm a morning per, per person, so it really doesn't matter what time I go to bed, which is usually early, right, Pastor Vern? Um, but, but I usually get up before the sun is up, right? And, and if you're a morning person, especially during this particular season that we're in, when you wake up in the morning, it's still dark outside. And when you wake up, at, some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. That's a, that's. But after you've been asleep all night and you wake up in the morning and it's still dark, there's, there's an interesting thing that happens. You quickly realize how well your eyes have adjusted to being in the dark. Because the more time that you spend in the dark, the more your eyes grow accustomed to operating in the dark. And if you stay in the dark long enough, there are things that you have that you do during the day that you can actually do at night in the dark. But I, I'll say this: some, some of the most ignorant people in the world. Mind you, it's some you, some, some of y'all are right here in this room. And, and I don't care that I'm offending you right now because I'm offended. Some of y'all are so ignorant that you have the audacity to cut the lights on without giving nobody no warning. God takes issue with people like you. But have you, have you ever been in the dark for a while and your eyes have adjusted to the, to, to, to the dark and then, and then all of a sudden, a, a flood of light just comes out of nowhere, right? And, 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 and if you've been in the dark long enough, you know that that light is blinding. It's uncomfortable. Sometimes it hurts your eyes. You have to squint and, and adjust. You've got to slowly open your eyes because it takes a while when you've been in the dark for a while for your eyes to adjust back to being in the light. But, but here's, here, here, here's the thing, is that the way that your eyes adjust back to being in the light is dependent on you remaining in the light, Amen. and so we 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 find ourselves here in in, um, in Isaiah chapter chapter nine, and, and and in order to understand the significance of of this this word, this prophetic word that Isaiah is communicating from God, in verse six and seven, we have to understand a little bit about the context. Turn to your neighbor, and say context. Amen. So so the context. Now, this this portion of Scripture starts back in Isaiah, chapter seven, verse one. And if you go back to Isaiah, chapter seven, verse one, you'll notice that we're introduced to a name, uh, a king by the name of Ahaz. Right now, if you don't if you don't know anything about Ahaz or, or any of the other kings, if you're not familiar with his name, when you read through scripture, when you read through uh, 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 the first and second Samuel, first and second Kings and first and second Chronicles, you, you will usually get a little tagline in front of a king's name or after a king's name. And it usually says something like this. And so and so did what was pleasing to the Lord and followed after his father, David. Now, Ahaz. Wasn't one of them types of kings. If you go back and read 2 Chronicles chapter 28, it it tells you how much of a fool Ahaz actually was. He he was so much of a fool that the Bible says he began to worship in high places, not like the other kings of Judah did, but like the other kings of Israel did. If you don't know, Israel was not the Davidic line. They, they, They were the usurpers who split the kingdom up and they was wild. I mean, out of all of the kings that Israel have, guess how many of them actually followed the Lord? That, that, y'all y'all want to take a guess? I'll, I'll say it for you. Zero. <laughs> he, he, this boy was so, his, he was so wild that a part of his uh, acts of worship to these false gods was sacrificing his children by making them walk through the fire. And guess what? The people that he's leading begin to do also. They begin to follow what their king does. Now, after, after a while, you know, God, God, when, when God's people start tripping, you know what he does? He sends prophets their way. You know, and, and prophets tend to be people sometimes you don't really get along with. You know, that's a, that's a word for you today. Sometimes you might hear a hard word from somebody you don't get along with and you want to just ignore it, but I'm, it might be from God. That, that's just that's just that ain't even part of the sermon, but I'll let you have that for free. Right. But but after after a while, right, God, God is dealing with with Ahaz and he keeps sending them these prophets. And, and eventually Isaiah goes to Ahab because Ahab, Ahab is he feeling a little funny because he got enemies coming in from from every side, because that's what happens when when you start tripping and wilding out on God, he starts sending enemies your way. Like, you, like, I'm, I mean, and I'm not even talking about just like God's people. Y'all know that God used foreign, like, 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 unlike redeemed people who were not a part of His covenant people to discipline His covenant people. Y'all know that, right? Right? Uh, that's another one for free. Sometimes God will use a non-Christian to discipline you, to rebuke you. I'm in the text. You ain't. I'm in the text. And so, so what happened was enemies coming on every side, right? The, the kingdom of Aram and the, and the kingdom of Israel, they're, they're trying to get at Ahaz because what they wanted to do was kick him off the throne so they could put somebody else on the throne in his place. And so, uh, of course, uh, uh, Ahaz starts tripping. He starts, he, he's a little nervous, a little skittish. And so God uh, tells Isaiah to go his way and says, man, just relax. He literally tells him, relax, calm down. I, I got you. Right, like you, you, I know you see enemies around every corner, but don't think that your enemies are bigger than I am. He says, "Relax, I, I, got you." Now, mind you, he says that to Ahaz, who been bugging. The fact that God, in His grace, would still stand by Ahaz, even though he'd been walling. Listen, I gotta say this: that ain't a license to sin now. Well, that's why Paul says may it never be. Right. But, 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 but what has what, what, what? And, and he says this to him in verse nine of chapter seven, he says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. Whew. That's a word right there. If you don't stand right now, when I tell you that I'm with you, you ain't never going to stand. And so, and so, you know, you know what Ahaz does when he hears this word of the Lord? He says, "No, nah, I'm good. I got it. I, 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 know you're trying to help, but, but I, 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 I think I, I, I think I can figure it out on my own. It's, it, it's, 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 it's like this idea that when we depend on our own resources and perspectives as the ultimate guide, all it does is further lead us into darkness. That's why Second Chronicles it says that in his distress he became more unfaithful." Because you know what he did? He said, he said, man, all of my enemies that seem like they're overwhelming me, maybe I should start worshiping to their gods because their gods work. And so when I should be running to the Lord, trusting in the Lord, standing with the Lord, I'm going to go to what seems to be working for them in the moment. And so so what this did was it, it drove it drove the the people of God into deeper despair and deeper darkness in their idolatry. I I know that this is long context, but I'm going somewhere with it. It matters. It matters, right? But, 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 But as they got into this despair, as they got into this rejection of God, as they got deeper and deeper into this darkness, listen, it was into the helplessness of that darkness that God, through the coming king, would shine his own light of delivering power. That, that, that God, through Isaiah, tells Ahaz, I know you've rejected me, but I'm going to give you a sign anyway. Because your, your sin does not overcome my plan of redemption. That, that's, somebody need to take that home with him. And so God, this is what God says. God, God, says Isaiah chapter seven verse fourteen. He says, "I'm going I'm I'm to send a son through a virgin who gives birth." And it, and and they might not have known it at the time, known it at the time, but it had present implications, and we know from Matthew chapter one, it had future application as well. And, and 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 he said, "This is what's going to happen." He says, "I'm going to use the king of Assyria as my instrument, and he's going to come and destroy Ahaz's enemies, but he's also going to plunder your land." Right. Because one of the things that Ahaz did was he went to Assyria for help. After God said, I'll help you. And he rejected God. He said, no, I'm going to go to Assyria because they got a big army. They they, they got a strong God. And so he said, Assyria is going to save me. And so Assyria did save him, but then plundered him. He said, he said, he said, yeah, I'll take out your enemies. But guess what? I'm going to take all the gold out the temple. I'm going to take your wives and your children. I'm gonna plunder your lands. And that's exactly what what happened. And so God said he used Assyria uh, to 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 do this to the land of Judah. And the people, the people that were left were wandering around hungry and dejected with 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 no safety net. Like with with there, there were no government programs that they could sign up for there. There was no aid coming their way. They were hungry a famished like starving to death they were uh, uh, afflicted and oppressed and distress and gloom hung over the entire nation and they had their their king was a curse to them and they and the, but yet they didn't blame their king guess who they blamed god and so it's, it's into this it's into this darkness that God brings a piercing light. And and, and the beauty of it is, is that this light was not produced by the people, nor were they responsible for it. But in the darkness, God just decided by his grace to bring light into darkness. I I don't know if you know that. Maybe you do. Maybe maybe you need the reminder sometimes like I do. But there's nothing that we do that earns God's favor on our lives. Amen. Amen. There's nothing that we, it's literally God just being, being like, you know what? I just want to bless them. That's right. That's right. You know, I, I seen what you did. Nobody else seen because you did it in a private and you only really repent about the stuff that you think that people won't be tripping over. But, 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 I'm going to just bless you anyway. Amen. And so it's in this, it's in this darkness That God shines this light, that even the darkness that you're living in, that sometimes that we cause is not enough to keep God from rolling the storm clouds away so you can experience the bright light of his presence. Right. But the question is, like, how how will God do this? How how is God going to going to take this darkness and, and insert light. Will, will, how is God going to defeat the enemies of the nation of Judah as they're under this oppressive rulership of the Assyrians uh, as, as, as tributes? Will, will God use power to defeat power? Will he use arrogance to defeat arrogance? Will he use war to deliver from war? Surely the God of the Bible is powerful enough to destroy his enemies, his enemies in an instant. But guess what? God, God, God doesn't use any of those things. I mean, it's actually kind of wild when you think about it, because when you think about the need to overtake an enemy, you think about strength. You think about who who who's got more power. You think about who's more strategic. Who's got the bigger army and God doesn't use any of that. Guess, Guess what he does. He uses a child. And he he exalts this child as the ideal monarch. In contrast to not just Ahaz, but to the entire line of the Davidic kingdom. So here's here's, here's my only point, and then, then I'm out your way. God is strong enough to overcome his enemies by becoming vulnerable, transparent, and humble. You know, in contrast to the deficiencies of Ahaz who was representative of the entire divinic monarch, God presents here in these, this passage the ideal monarch. And it's interesting as we read verses 6 and 7, it says a child will be born to us, a son is given, the government will be on his, soldiers, uh, on his shoulders, he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, his dominion will be vast, prosperity never end, he will reign on the throne forever, but, but notice that he's never called king. It's alluded to, but he's never called king. And one of the reasons that that is is, is because the, the, the lack of using the term king by Isaiah was possibly a slap in the face of all the other kings that reigned over Judah. Because he says if 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 you can call if you can use the title king to call them kings, then that title is unworthy of this child. It says they he, he will be this child will be in fact what they were in name only, and so it says. It says this: this child will be born to us and given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. See, in Isaiah's day, the Jewish Judas leaders were incompetent in governing the people. I know y'all have never experienced no incompetent leadership before in your governor and your in your government. I, I know the the government that we have here in America is always trustworthy and. They always do what's best for the people. But this, what, what, what they're saying is that this, this, is a, this is a direct contrast to the way that, that humans tend to rule when they get a little power. Because pe- people who get a little power, most of us, tend to, tend to set up systems that only benefit us. That only move forward our own personal agendas. But what he's saying here, he says that this this child, he doesn't have a capitalistic agenda and he won't come and stir up racial divide. Oppression in all of its ugly forms will cease under his rule. I mean, this is the type of this is the type of leader that I mean, we have never we have never experienced a, a fully just kingdom like living in, in an equitable society under leadership that is for all of the people. Like we have never experienced that before. And, and I, I wouldn't be mad if some of y'all think on this side of eternity we'll never experience it. But guess what? There will come a day when, uh, when, when this child who eventually became a man, sits on the throne for the last time and he will reign in his kingdom with pure justice and righteousness and equity. And guess what? Nobody will ever experience oppression ever again. Nobody will experience discrimination ever again. Like it's, it's you get to, you, we'll get to live in a kingdom where we don't have to worry about what laws are gonna be passed to oppress us next. So he says, this is, this is the type of, this is the type of a kingdom that this child is going to bring. He so says, it'll, it'll be like anything we've ever experienced before. He, he, won't, he won't even have to pander to us so he can get reelected. I'll leave that there. And so he says, this, this child will be born to us, given to us. That, that, that means like given to us, like a gift given to us, right? And, 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 and his name will be, right? And so, so Isaiah begins to, 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 to communicate what his, the, the titles or the names that are given to this child, which ultimately underscores the ultimate deity of this childlike deliverer, right? So he says, this child will be named Wonderful Counselor, he said, this, this, this coming one will give wonderful counsel. It's an, it, it means an un, he's unfailing in his depths of wisdom. See, some, sometimes our wisdom can lead us astray. Amen. Amen. Y'all ain't got to be honest. I'll talk about me. I, I'll talk about me. Listen, I think I'm a pretty smart guy. I do. You, you, know, you know what the problem with that is, though? Like, I'm also prideful at times. And so sometimes I think my opinions are fact." And then, and then I make that wisdom. You, you know how many times I have made a wrong decision? Listen, you know how many times you made a wrong decision? But guess what, he got the type of wisdom none of his decisions have ever been wrong. There's, there's nothing that he's done that has ever been a mistake. There's nowhere that he's taken you that has left you in a place you weren't supposed to be. Listen, I know you feel like where God got you sometimes ain't where you're supposed to be, but that's just because you don't want to be there. Not that he don't got nothing there for you. He's a a wonderful counselor. That's that's why the text says that that if anybody lacks wisdom, all he got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. He said, listen, you ask your friends. Y'all go to social media and listen to everybody's podcasts. Y'all record TED Talks all day long, and ain't none of them got the wisdom of God. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. I know we, we like, you know, we like talking about mental health now. That wasn't a big thing in the black community until like the last 10 years. But we like talking about, you know, mental health days. And, and, and you know, it's, it's not unpopular to go talk about, you know, how you go see a therapist. Right. But all, all the therapy in the world can't replace the wisdom of God. Listen, hold on. I'm not, that, that ain't a knockabout therapy. Go see your counselor and go get some help. But some of us have tried to replace the wisdom of God yes, yes. with human therapy. Yes, yes. He said he'll be a wonderful counselor. And, 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 and his counselor is so wonderful that his people will want to embrace it. They'll willingly embrace it. He doesn't stop there. He says, he's a wonderful counselor. And then he says, he says, mighty God, El Gabor. Some, some, some people try to say that this just means like mighty one or strong hero. The, the issue with that is wherever El Gabor is used elsewhere in scripture, it's always referring to God. And so here it's, it's, it's talking about that the, 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 the Messiah was understood to be God. Because he carried only qualities with him that God could have. And so he said this, this child is El Gabor, mighty God. That, that this king would have God's true might about him. Power so great that it could absorb all the evil which could be hurled at it until none is left. It's the type of power that, like, you know, you know when you want to get something done, like you got goals and stuff. I know we all got goals. Like you got goals to do. And, and, and as you try to accomplish your goals, something always stands in the way. Like, it, it, like if it's not one thing, it's the other, Right. Like if the like it it just seemed like something always standing in your way. Guess what? Because God's mighty, because He's mighty God. Guess what that means? He ain't like us. Like His goals always come to fruition. Like there's nothing that stands in the way of the plan of God. There's nothing that catches God off guard that disrupts His purposes. Right? Like you. You think your plans are disrupted and God ain't on board with them and God really is just sitting back like this. I knew this was going to happen the whole time. You can't see it, but I see from end to beginning. I see east from the west. I see all the decisions that you made that you could have made that you wanted to make but didn't make. Everything that you wanted to do, I seen it. He says he's mighty God. Like there's nothing that stops him. This, but listen, that is comforting. As, as a people who lack control, which I don't know if you know, I I found this out recently, I can't control everything. Did y'all know that? But as somebody who lacks ultimate control, guess what? My, my, My father, my king, my savior is one who has ultimate authority and control. Like you, no, 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 Look, y'all, y'all, listen, I only heard one little, I only heard one, uh, one little clap over there, right? Do y'all hear me? The God that you serve has control over everything, everything. I mean, like, I mean, like, literally, like everything, like everything that you're going on, that's going on in your world, guess what? He got control over it. And it's not just your world. God's not overwhelmed by, having, by being in control over everybody's lives of the, well, how many, what is it, six billion people on earth? Am I Is that the right number? I ain't, I ain't been in science class in a long time or, or, or whatever class it is that teaches that. But, but however many people it is on earth, I know it's in the billions or something like that. But guess what? God is fully in control of every single one of their lives plus yours. And he ain't overwhelmed by it. It comes through a child. Like, 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 we and we notice because Hebrew says that he 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 holds up creation by the power of his word. Yeah. Colossians chapter one tells us that he made everything and everything was made for him. A child. He says, he says wonderful counsel, he's mighty God. Then he says he's a, he's an eternal father, which speaks to his eternality. That this child, even though he's about to be born, has always existed. <laughs> if only we could wrap our minds really about what that means. Like, 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 it's, it's okay to be a little confused by that because even, even Nicodemus was confused. Hey man, how, how, like, because like, again, it, 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 it points a little bit to, to being reborn, right? To being born again. Nicodemus, how are you a grown man going to be reborn? How are you born? Like, listen, there is something there is something like miraculous and, and 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 difficult to difficult to understand about a baby being born naturally and having always existed. That ain't normal. <laughs> He's about to be born in our world in real time. But he's always existed. He's gonna have the full qualities of a child. Be dependent upon air to breathe. And, and, and he's gonna to have to, like he's not gonna be able to eat solid food when he's first born. But he's gonna to have to eat eventually. He's gonna be dependent upon parents to take care of him so he don't kill himself. Right? But he's always existed. The very things that he is depending upon for life he created and it's sustaining. Listen, y'all, do y'all realize that while he was in the womb, he was holding the womb together. That don't do nothing for y'all. Like, huh? everlasting father and then 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 it it says he's he's the prince of peace because he 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 comes in peace Ephesians chapter 2 Paul writes what he says he says he he came and preached peace to us right he says he says he he himself Jesus he himself is our peace right right I, I love what Isaiah says later on in chapter 32 he says that the the result of his righteous reign will be peace The effect of righteousness will be quiet confidence forever. It it literally means that that when he shows up, peace comes with him. (laughs) Like 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 when when he shows up, guess, guess what? Guess what he came to accomplish? Ultimately, he came to accomplish peace with with us and with the father. And so his, his presence, he brings peace with him. Now, now, mind you, he said, he said when I come, my teaching will pit father against mother and, and brother against uh, 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 sister and daughter against all that stuff. So he bringing a sword with the message, but he came in his presence to bring peace yeah. through righteousness. He said, you, you, you can't even have peace unless you got peace with God first. That's right. That's right. He said, when, 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 when peace with God is established, Peace with God makes it possible to have peace with the rest of God's creation, which means one another. So you we can't even experience true peace unless we have peace with God. But, but the son brings that this child, it brings it with him. It bring, he brings peace with him like 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 there, there there are there are places that we go to try to get with only we can receive from the presence of God. It's like we we've we've created many saviors. And we run to them for comfort. We, we run to them for, and, and I ain't talking about y'all got just statues in your houses, right? So some to us, sometimes we may we make comfort out of food. You run to food. Because it, it satisfies something in you. You go spend some money that you know you ain't have because it was for that bill that should have been paid last week anyway. And you do all this shopping to fill a need. You jump into relationship after relationship after relationship, hoping to find something in these individuals, even though you bypass all the red flags, thinking that they'll give you something that you can only get from the presence of God peace 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 so it says it says it says his dominion his his dominion his throne and his kingdom will will never end so it's it's clear that Isaiah has in mind an eschatological figure right that this person will not be a king among kings in Israel but rather that he would be the final king the king to end all kings this child is the the ultimate expression of the truth that god is with us and and with us not for our destruction right but for our redemption this this word was a word of hope for the people Because at the time, they were still in darkness. And and yet, this word from Isaiah, from God through Isaiah, was meant to encourage them and give them hope. That even though they were in darkness, there was someone coming to save them. Let me see if I can make it plain, and I'm out your way. Uh, Me and uh, and my son, um, we watch a lot of superhero stuff. Right. I I love it. I love it. You know, it started with me and my daughters. Um, My daughters, when they were young, loved Batman. Couldn't tell you why. Loved Batman. And then when my son was born, he took it to a whole nother level. (laughs) Right. Some of y'all remember his early days running around the church. Um, And the reason that people knew what he was or who he was was not because they necessarily knew his face but he always had on his blue Batman cape, right? So if you saw uh, what looked like a little cape flailing in the wind behind a child, you knew, you knew that was little Kerkert, right? Run, running around, right? And in recent years, he's become more of a Marvel fan, you know, cause all the, you know, the whole MCU stuff that's going on, right? Uh, but, but animation, DC got on lock. I don't know if y'all know that. I'm gonna give y'all a little tip right now. You know, the animated works, DC got on lock. Live action, they can't mess with Marvel, right? Uh, I'm going somewhere with this illustration, just just stay with it. But in my years of watching uh, animated DC shows like Justice League and and Batman and Superman with, with my son, I mean, literally, there was not a day that would go by where we did not watch Superman or Batman. Not a day, not a day like the same episodes. But there was, there was one thing that I noticed as we would watch Superman. It was always interesting to me how Lois Lane always got captured in every episode. Every episode? Like you just doing stuff out here every episode to get captured. <laughs> but it, it wasn't just that Lois got captured that was interesting to me. It was the way that she h- handled her captivity. You know, so, some of us, when we get captured, you know, we would we be afraid, you know, unsure of what's about to happen next, you know, wondering whether or not. Uh, Our our life was about to end in the next few hours or or moments. But Lois Lane would always be talking heavy to her captors. Like she would always just be talking tough like she was in control, like she would be tied up and her captors would be there with all types of weapons and ammunition. And she would just be sitting there saying stuff like. I don't know why you capture me anyway. You already know who's coming to get me. Y'all should have learned by now that I'm in relationship with someone and he cares about me enough that though you might capture me, he's going to get here before you can really do anything to me. So, so I, I don't know why we keep going through this song and dance because, you know, he's just going to show up anyway. Uh, all I'm trying to tell you is some of y'all feel like you're in a dark place right now. Some of you feel like you ain't got nowhere to go and you don't know what's happening in your lives. Some of you feel like you've been held captive and your captors are in control. Some of you feel oppressed and rejected. And all I'm here to tell you today is that you have help on the way, there's a deliverer who loves you, who cares about you, who sees what you're going through, who's not caught off guard by your difficulties and your depressions, and all I want to tell you is that if you can just hold on just a little while longer, if you can just hold on and wait for him to get there, hope is on the way. People of God, he sees you. He sees you. And he knows every, like, 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 you know, there's nothing, nothing about you that he's unaware of. So passages like this should, should enlighten your heart. So that you can lift your eyes from the storm of your despair and see out on the horizon the light of his presence coming. And I promise you, if you can just wait on him, if you can just hold on and hold fast to his word, he'll be there. He'll be there. And guess what? The hope for us today is that not only did he already come, but he's coming again. And it ain't going to be long. It ain't going to be long. He's making his way back again. And so have our lives made way for the return of the king. I pray my prayer. And I know your prayer is our prayer. Is that our lives will look forward with hopeful expectation. That even though we're awaiting his return. He's still with us now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you for the promises of your word that hold us in place while the storms and the winds of life press against us. We are held in place firmly by the rock of our salvation. And so we thank you today, oh God, and pray That as your people, we would continue, God, to look forward and hope and that you might meet us where we are so that we can experience the grace of your presence. And it's in the name of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. As we prepare for communion, we think about just the beauty of this Christ sacrifice. Why don't you all stand with me? That this child who was promised eventually came born of a virgin and preached peace to those who were near and those who were far. And then willingly laid himself down on the cross in your place and in mine so that we could experience what only he could give which was peace with the Father. And so if you are at peace with God because you've trusted in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you to take communion with us today. The bread which represents his body broken for us. Let's eat together. and the cup which represents his blood poured out for the remission of our sins. Let's drink together. Let us receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up your countenance, and give you peace from now and forevermore. If you agree with that, why don't you say amen? Amen Amen. and amen. God bless you, grace and peace. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you wanna help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond,